Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunlevy, joined by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hello, everyone. Yes, this is a good podcast for you. We're going to talk about the box office. We are going to break down one of the greatest actors of our time, his movie catalog, and rank order them. You'll just have to wait and find out who that is. <laughs> we'll do a, a little preview on uh, an upcoming update on the Batman and, of course, our watch list. All right, Rob, let's get started with the box office. Ah, so last week we had three new entrants into the box office. All three made the top five. And here's the order. The Bad Guys, the animated feature, uh, made $24 million to take number one at the box office. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 did $15.7 million in its third week. That movie is actually up almost at $150 million. That is an impressive showing for Sonic, really. Uh, Fantastic Beast, The Secret of Dumbledore, in its second week, made $14 million. The Northman in its debut, $12.3 million, and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent did $7.1 million in its first week. Rob, uh, some interesting stuff from the box office. What do you got? Uh, I'm not really surprised. I thought that, like I said with The Northman, that it would do a decent number, but it wouldn't be a huge movie. And I'm not sure how much longer it'll last in the theater. So I'm going to try and go see it this week um, for sure. It's high up on my list. I did get a chance to go see one of the newer ones that I really want to see, which I will talk about later in the watch list. Um, but I still also want to see the bad guys. So it, it was good to see that do well. Um, indicates it might hang around for a little while, which is good because I want to take my kids to see that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I like we said when we discussed what was coming out, it seemed like all three of those movies were pretty solid, um, well put together movies. So it's not surprising that they all made it in the top five. Yeah, what stuck out to me is the box office was really, really split this week. Uh, even with the bad guys taking home number one, it did less than $10 million over the next closest movie, and all of them were within you know about 15 million dollars so that's it's that's a really impressive spread for the top five uh so what it says to me is that there were a lot of different movie interests and a little bit of something for everyone in the box office and it showed in the numbers nothing dominated uh but everything did pretty solidly i think it's also indicative of the fact that people are starting to go to the movies like there's a wide wider array of people who are actually venturing out and going to see the movie. So you're getting families with kids going, you're getting uh, 30 and 40 year olds going, college kids going. It seems like a whole bunch of different groups of people are becoming more comfortable with going out mm -hmm. to the movie theater. Um, so a bunch of different kind of movies are more viable than they may have been even a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I also saw one of the movies on this list. So mm. I will talk about that when it comes to my part of the watch. Excellent. Later. Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, that's how the box office did this past week. 
And uh, one major release coming out uh, this week, and that is Memory. Uh, this movie stars Liam Neeson. It is a remake of a 2003 Belgium film called The Memory of a Killer. And it's about an assassin for hire finds that he has become a target after he refuses to complete a job for a dangerous criminal organization. All right. So, Rob, we got a Liam Neeson movie. I mean, I'll be watching because it it's Liam Neeson. I mean, <laughs> come on now. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is like tailor made for Liam Neeson. It really is impressive how he can basically play the same role over and over again and still pull it off. And uh, this appears to be another instance of him doing that exact same thing. Yeah, he's just taking all these roles. Mm hmm. You know, hey. <laughs> I mean, he does have a specific set of skills to be able to play these kind of roles. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> Oh man, save them for later. He will find them and he will play them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, you know, you, you got to keep playing the hits. And, you know, yep. When, yep. That's, when that's your hit, keep playing it, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, they're always at least entertaining. Yeah, I wouldn't mind oh, talking about good. Liam Neeson some more at some point. Hmm. Maybe we can do that. Future I I wonder if we can fit that into the podcast. Oh, wow. That would be something. That would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah, one main release, memory. And I think that's good because after the, the number and the variety of releases that have come out the last uh, week or two, uh, not having a whole new slate of movies entering this week gives you a little bit of chance to catch up. Uh, so lots of stuff to go on in the box office. Yeah, as, as much as Hollywood is always working on movies, there are going to be some weeks where nothing comes out. That's <laughs> just <laughs> how it goes. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's the, that's the way it happens. And that's, you know, that's okay. You, you get to, you get to catch up a little bit. All right. So before we get on to our discussion element for the evening, uh, let's talk about, an update for the Batman. Rob, you brought this uh, this article into the fold. Uh, let's let you lead out on this. What did what, uh, what what's going on here? So uh, there is going to be a sequel to the Batman with mm. Robert Pattinson, and I'm completely unsurprised by this because <laughs> it seemed the way the movie ended that there was no other um, outcome. Uh, unless the movie flopped horribly and did not flop horribly, it did well. So I'm not at all surprised to see that there is going to be another Batman movie with Robert Pattinson. Um, I, in the first one, it's strongly hinted that the Joker will be a part of the second one. Uh, as the article states, I really hope that they don't make the Joker the protagonist of the second movie. Because the Joker has been done like a lot lately. And it will be a, another different spin on it. And DC has already done like four different spins on the Joker in the last decade. So I don't think it's necessary to do that character again so soon. Um, there are other villains in Batman's world that could 
that could be prominent. Are there? I I like the <laughs> the suggestion in the article. The one suggestion in the article was that, or at least in comments I read about the article, um, was that they could do Mr. Freeze, like do a more serious drama version of Mr. Freeze. Because we've really only seen the Arnold Schwarzenegger Mr. Freeze. But the Arnold Schwarzenegger version, man, come on. How can you <laughs> top that? How can you top all of the ice jokes? <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, cool it. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many. There were like I mean, 40 of them. I find it very intriguing to think about like a serious, gritty Mr. Freeze. Like, how would they even do yeah. that? So mm -hmm. I kind of want to see it. I want to see him. I want to see it done, or maybe even delving more into the penguin character that they introduced in the first Batman. Mm -hmm. um, but I just don't think there's a reason to go with the Joker again so soon after having visited that well so many times. But I'm concerned that's what's going to happen because why else would they introduce him yeah. in the movie if that wasn't the plan? Yeah. This is also a habit of DC. Like, here's what would be good for the franchise. Let's not do it. Let's keep rebooting our characters all the time. I mean, they've done the same thing with Batman in the last 10 years. So, I mean, I, I agree that it would not be the best move, but I would also not remotely be surprised if that's exactly what they're going to do. And I mean, DC just keeps making mistakes along the way, even when they, I mean, we talked about it on our podcast, our thoughts on the movie. We thought, you know, hey, it was fine. It was okay. Uh, nothing earth shattering here. Uh, but the movie, they essentially, they locked into making a ridiculous amount of money on this movie. Uh, I mean, maybe it wasn't all luck, but the movie, uh, to date has made over $750 million as the second biggest movie since the pandemic next to Spider-Man No Way Home. And this movie made a killing. So A, not surprised they're making a sequel, not surprised Robert Pattinson's back, but I would also not be surprised if they went down the Joker rabbit hole again. But, yeah, it's, it'll be, I think his perform. I think Robert Pattinson's performance in the next one slash the writing for his character in the next one will inform the performance in the first one because I don't think he was given very much to do yeah in the first one other than be like I'm Batman like that's pretty much <laughs> it like it never felt like he really did a whole lot honestly throughout the yeah. movie he was not the driver of the movie like we talked about no and and thus, I would give Robert Pattinson an incomplete as Batman so far. Uh, so I would be interested in seeing him again, just to, to hopefully see what he can do if he's actually given the role and, and something of meaning to do. Um, the parts that we did see of him, I didn't mind him. I thought he was fine. Um, but yeah, just wasn't a whole lot for it. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what comes down the pike. Um, there's a number of other DC offerings that are going to be coming out soon. Um, we got the next Shazam movie coming out. We're going to have a uh, another Aquaman movie. 
So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff coming. Uh, now, if you have not had a chance to see uh, the Batman, it is currently on HBO Max. So you get a chance to stream it if you have HBO Max, or you know, sign up for a month of that and get all the good content there. So make sure you check out the Batman. Do you got any other uh, any other comments about this one? I do not. I would say like. I, you you said I think we're casually intrigued by another Batman. I think there's potential for it to be decent, and I think that's saying something that you couldn't say about all of DC's properties. So yeah, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, because <laughs> it could go really well or it could go really bad. I guess we'll find out. Yes, we will. We definitely will. And uh, that will be interesting to see what happens with that movie. Because uh, maybe that will be a reflection on what, uh, what the fans have thought of, of this movie and, uh, you know, how much of a legacy it ends up having. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's a little bit of a news update with uh, the announcement of the Batman sequel. Now let's move on to our discussion. And in honor of the great the unparalleled Liam Neeson and his spectacular, marvelous, amazing career. We thought it was time to take a look at a retrospective on Liam Neeson movies. And the best way to do it is just to rank the top Liam Neeson movies. And so that's what each one of us has done. We've each independently compiled a list of our 10 favorite Liam Neeson movies in the order of which ones we think from worst to best. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing Ryan's list and also the correct list. So <laughs> We shall see. And I'm curious as to see uh, how much, uh, how many of, of them we have in a similar order. And, mm-hmm. and how we kind of explain that order. So all perhaps, right. We'll talk about the Jedi Order at some point in this top 10 list. Perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) Rob is going to be full of bad Liam Neeson jokes this entire segment. Yeah, I know. I'm forcing some of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Let's just begin with this before it gets any worse. (laughs) All right. How, how do how do we want to do this? Do we want to give a couple at a time, or do we want to just go one at a time? Yeah, I think I think we could just go one at a time, back and forth. All right, all right. So let's start with ten. What, okay. what have you got in the number ten spot for Liam Neeson um, movies? For me, number ten, I've got Taken number three. Just because. Oh, okay. <laughs> so 10, 10 through seven for me are just all kind of they could be in any order, honestly. Um, so Taken 3 is just number 10 because okay. I still like the Taken movies even if they're ridiculous nonsense Yes, because a lot of Leonese movies are ridiculous nonsense so yes, yes Taken 3 I've got at number 10 okay for me I have K-19 The Widowmaker at number 10 uh, it's a good sub movie I, en- I enjoyed the sub movie and uh, he played a decent role in K-19 The Widowmaker yeah, I'd have to agree with that that was well done, too. Why don't you give your number nine? All right. Number nine for me is Wrath of the Titans. 
Uh, I actually thought his character, he was in both Clash of the Titans and Wrath of the Titans. I feel like his performance in Wrath of the Titans stood out more uh, because his character, I think, had more to do um, and, and had a more interesting story arc in Wrath of the Titans. So that's why I have that one on there at number nine. So for my completely original, unoriginal number nine, I've taken two. So <laughs> I was taking two and three. I just figured put them together at the bottom. Um, enough. Number eight, I have Cold Pursuit, which is okay. a more recent Liam Neeson movie about him driving a snowplow to help keep uh, the road clear to a town. It's part of the story, but he's also involved with the mob for some reason. Why there's a snowplow driver not be involved with the mob. There's a kid involved, and there's a lot of violence and murdering, and yeah, snowplow, sweet snowplow action. Yeah. So if you like seeing some snow get thrown around, uh, then Cold Pursuit is the movie for you. At one point, a car gets impaled on a pine tree, which is pretty sweet. It's actually mm-hmm. on the poster for the movie. So <laughs> you want to check that out? You can just look that up online. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> Number eight for me is Silence. Uh, Silence is actually a really good movie. Uh, it's it's a long drama uh, about missionaries who go and travel to Japan and then basically get arrested and are forced under house arrest for a long period of time. Uh, but Liam Neeson does not have a huge, huge role in this movie. He has a he has a decent role, but he's not one of the leads in this one. But it's still a great movie. So silence at number eight. Uh, number seven for me, Kingdom of Heaven. Another really, really good movie that I really, really like. Um, he has a big role in the beginning of this film. And he does an excellent job playing uh, basically Orlando Bloom's estranged father. And he is the impetus that sets in motion the entire rest of the movie. But he's only in the first part of the movie. So I can't necessarily give this as like the top Liam Neeson movie because uh, he only plays in the early part of the movie. But his role in that was very strong. So that's what I got for number seven. Yeah, uh, number seven, I have Honest Thief, which is another mm-hmm. modern Liam Neeson movie. And you can tell by my list that I've actually watched the modern Liam Neeson movies. Yeah. A lot of people probably haven't. <laughs> I actually saw that one in theaters. I, I like that. But, yeah. but I, like, I like this one because I like the, the story is actually kind of original and interesting that he decides he wants to give all the money back that he stole. And how do you do that? and find a way to do it and it's got a good side plot with the um one good cop and the one crooked cop and how they're handling things so i i like that movie honest thief um number six for me is star wars episode one the phantom menace qui-gon jinn man Jin. i gotta say he's probably one of my favorite star wars characters and he only exists in this and then Nothing like else. animated shows like the clone wars etc um and i think liam neeson did a really good job uh in this universe i think that he certainly could have done more than they had him end up doing but when you get murdered to death um kind of hard to continue on it is that's a rough one yeah 
<laughs> uh, so that was number six for you? Yes. Okay. Uh, number six for me is Taken. The first one. Yes. <laughs> the the uh, originator of the Taken series. Um, obviously, this being the first movie, you get introduced to his character. And this, for me, is... If you're going to say, like, what is a Liam Neeson movie, this is the one you think of. You think of Taken. Uh, now, they're not great movies, but they're, they're, they're action movies. They're, they're solid action movies. And this one, I think, is the best of the bunch. Um, it has that amazing epic line, uh, epic little monologue there where he's on the phone and he's telling them exactly what he's going to do to them. Uh, that is... That is classic Liam Neeson. Excellent little bit of writing there. And so number six for me, taken. Um, number five. Love Actually for me. Uh, I, I like Love Actually. It's, uh, it's another one of those romantic Christmas movies. I usually watch it every year. Not necessarily. But his character, uh, his, his part of the story arc is uh, his wife dies and he's taking care of her son. And so it's just a really, it's one of the better ones of the storylines of that movie. It's really heartfelt, him taking care of this boy, him getting over uh, the loss of his romantic interest by, by stoking uh, the flames of his young uh, adopted son's romantic interest. It's, it's, it's really well done. Yep. Uh, so number five for me is taken. So we got that around the same. Yeah. Spot. I think it's worthy of uh, top five for him just because of what an important role it is. When you think, like you said, when you think of Liam Neeson taken is the first thing you think of, whether it's the best movie he's done or not. Um, number four for me is the Lego movie. Mm, okay. Because I love the good cop, bad cop character in the Lego movie. I find it hilarious. I love the fact that he just wipes his own face off and writes and draws angry eyes on his face to make himself <laughs> bad cop. And I think he's just really emotive and funny in that role. Um, and I just think it's also cool because there's not a whole lot of animated stuff Liam Neeson has done. He's done a couple other things, but there's really not much. So it's cool to see him having taken that kind of role too. Yeah. So the Lego movie at number four. Um, number four for me is Schindler's List and uh, he plays Oscar Schindler and I have this at number four uh, for a specific reason while it is undoubtedly that this is a, a very very epic movie I feel like the weight of the movie is what stands out not necessarily his performance as Oscar Schindler if that makes any sense, like you're overwhelmed by the weight of what you're watching, the weight of what you're seeing, the reality that's taking place. And so um, that's that's my main my main take on that, as I feel as though he like while he was he was good in the role. Uh, that is not what stands out about this movie. Uh about that for me. In fact, it it wasn't that long ago that I had to remember that he was actually in this movie. So, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, you number three? I have next for number three. Yes. Okay. Uh, number three for me, I have at Star Wars The Phantom Menace. And I will echo uh, a lot of what you said about his role in this one. It was kind of interesting because I was not like a deep Star Wars junkie. Uh, and so the introduction of Qui-Gon, like, hey, who is this guy and what the heck's going on here? But I really, really liked his performance. I thought he was he was really, um, he was both down to earth. He, he, he exemplified the calm Jedi persona really, really well. That, that masterful, calm Jedi persona. Uh, he commanded, he commanded authority. He commanded respect uh, in that role. And this was the first movie that I really took note of, of Liam Neeson, the actor. I'm like, wow, that was really good character. He was really good in this movie. Who is that actor? So this was really the first movie that I took notice of him as an actor. Uh, he'd done a number of movies well before then. Um, of course, this uh, Star Wars: The Phantom Menace came out in 1999, so it's not like you know I was deep in the cinema of the 80s when I was like a kid um, and hadn't gotten to that point. But this was really the movie, and that's why it's so high on the list for me because the character was so strong, his performance was great, and it was what really got me to notice him as an actor. Yeah, that's. Uh... Like I said, when I talked earlier, I think he's an important part of the Star Wars universe. So, and that's pretty impressive considering he was only in one of the movies. Um, for me, number three, I have The Commuter, mm. which mm -hmm. is my highest ranking for the new Liam Neeson movies. Mm -hmm. Because in my opinion, it's the best of the new Liam Neeson movies. Mm. Um, I just think it brings something more to the table than some of the others, like Honest Thief or the Taken sequels, or Cold Pursuit. Um, I just think it's a, a good overall movie. I think it's a solid movie, which those necessi aren't necessarily. Um, and oh, who's his co-star? Patrick. What's his last name? Um, I can this. Let me see here. And that was The Commuter. I have it. Uh... We have Liam Neeson, we have Vera Farminga, and Patrick Wilson. Yeah, Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Um, it's, it does a good job as the uh, cop who's chasing him mm -hmm. throughout the movie as well. So I enjoyed The Commuter quite a bit mm -hmm. and thought it was a good movie. Um, number two for me is Schindler's List. And it's number two because I think it's hard to overlook the fact that he was that character in that yeah. movie because mm -hmm. uh, when the movie um had as much critical success as it did there's a reason for that and i think he will also be remembered for that role too just like he's remembered for taken so mm -hmm. i think schindler's list deserves recognition even though it's not i i i think because of how the movie is it's not a movie you're going to watch over and over and over again but that doesn't mean it's not a great movie so I, I think that it was worthy of the acclaim that it got when it came out. So that's why I have it number two for me. I can't argue with that. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Uh, number two for me is the movie Unknown from 2011, where he uh, co-starred with uh, Diane Kruger on this one. And 
basically the the semi plot of this is a man awakens from a coma to discover that someone else has taken his identity uh this is a surprisingly really good movie uh there's a lot of twists and turns in it it has a lot of drama and there's some things in it that you don't see coming it is one of the most complete performances uh, for him as an actor, I think, because it requires it requires him to play a role within a role within a role. And to do that convincingly is a difficult is a difficult thing. And I don't want to say too much because if you haven't seen the movie, it's definitely worth seeing. And I, I don't want to give anything away on it. Uh, but you have to believe him in a genuine sense. This guy coming out of a coma, you have to believe in him and root for him and want it to work for him in order for this movie to work. And it does. And you do. And that's why, that's why as things shift around and as things keep changing, it, it really keeps you, it keeps you anchored. And, and so that's why it's this high on the list for me as it is, because I just think it's a great performance mixed in with a very underrated movie. All right. And your number one, number one for me, Batman begins. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that Batman begins, uh, Raz Al Ghul, uh, is the character. Now he doesn't, he does not have a long amount of time in this particular film. Uh, but the Raz Al Ghul character really is, is the foil that creates the Batman character for this series. It is him who trains um, Batman. It is him who sets him on his course that gives him his philosophy. And then as that philosophy turns over, it crystallizes what Batman really is about. So you get the clearest picture of who Batman is and what Batman is about um, in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. And that is brought out uh, in conjunction to the Raza Wu character by Liam Neeson, which is why I have no choice but to put it as number one on my list. Uh, it's very interesting to me that uh, your number one is not on my list and my number one is not on your list Interesting. At all. Interesting. And the only reason why I couldn't put Batman Begins on my list is because it's not enough time for me as the character. I think the character is really good. Mm -hmm. I think if we were listing top 10 Liam Neeson characters, it might be on the list, but mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of time there. There is uh, not. In the role. Um, and that's a legitimate critique of that as a number one spot. And I, as we were talking, as you're talking about unknown and how Liam Neeson really shown as an actor and we saw a range of emotion for me, that's why the number one Liam Neeson movie is the gray. Hmm. Because I think this is the most authentic, realistic heartbroken performance that I've seen, not just Liam Neeson, but many actors put out there. I think his character in this movie is someone who lost his wife and you feel every ounce of the pain he has gone through and the frustration and second guessing and hurt that he's feeling. And I really like the end of this movie a lot. 
Um, he's face to face with um, a pack of wolves that's closing in on him in the Alaskan wilderness. And a quote, a, mo- a poem that's been quoted throughout the movie comes back around one more time at the end of this movie. And it's his voiceover saying, once more into the fray, into the last good fight I'll ever know, live and die on this day. Live and die on this day. And he says earlier in the movie that it's dad who taught him that uh, poem. And I think um, this movie may be something that not many people have seen or given a chance because they don't expect that kind of performance from him. But when I look at everything he's done as an actor, this was the most impressive acting performance I've seen from him. And this movie is probably, again, we have to do this list at some point, but it's probably in my top 100 movies of all time. Interesting. Um, so if you have not seen The Gray from 2012, I highly recommend you watch it. Okay. That actually worked out pretty well because we did, we had almost nothing in the same spots. We had a lot of different, a lot of different mixtures. And and that's one of the reasons why it's fun to do something like with Liam Neeson because he's done so many movies. Excellent. Excellent. I like it. Uh, so check out a Liam Neeson movie. You should. It's worth it. And there's one coming out this week in theaters. All right. So let's move on to our watch list. Movies that we've watched over the last week. And we'll give you a little bit of a rundown. Rob, what'd you watch? So I watched a couple things. One thing I watched at home was The Great Wall from 2017 Hmm. with Matt Damon and Pedro Pascal and Willem Dafoe and a whole lot of Chinese actors who aren't in many major releases here in the United States, but are well known there. Um, have you seen The Great Wall? Not. I forget what the reason why I didn't see that one, but no, I haven't seen it. So when it came out, there's a lot of controversy about how Matt Damon's character characterization was insensitive because it was this white guy coming in to save everything. And then I watched the movie, and that's really not what the movie is about at all. So people who who <laughs> claim that didn't actually watch the movie. Um, that being said, I thought the movie was like real pretty and had some interesting action and really didn't do anything for me or go anywhere. Like in fact, when it was over, I kind of, it was two hours long. And when it was over, I kind of was like, well, there's more to this, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It just, it never really grabbed me at any point. Mm. It it, it was not, it, it was something that was fun to sit and watch and, just kind of go on the ride with, but it mm-hmm. it didn't seem like it had any real lasting impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's not a terrible movie, but I just didn't think it was anything special. So that was The Great Wall from 2017. Um, and then the other movie I watched was in the theater, and it was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Right, so you did get to see it. And... I got to say, this is probably the most insane movie I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. Um, But I liked it. Okay. And it's just, it's bizarre. So when you go to this movie, expect to see something real weird. Mm -hmm. Because it's real weird. And you're either going to really like it, or you're going to be like the person in the row behind us at the movie theater who, when the credits started, stood up and said, I'm so done with this movie, and left immediately. (laughs) 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 Um, 
my favorite part maybe was that two thirds of the way through the movie, uh, an end credit scene showed up and they zoomed out and it was actually the characters watching another movie in the movie. Hmm. So it wasn't actually the end of the movie. There's still another 40 minutes or so to go. Interesting. Um, Bold maneuver right there. But to, to give a, a slight little hint of what happens in the movie, because uh, without giving too much away, the main character, her laundry business that she owns with her husband is being audited by the IRS. And she goes to the IRS and is uh, met there by someone from an alternate reality who tells her that things are in peril and need to be saved. And in order to jump to other realities, to get skills from the other reality, you have to do strange things. Like, for instance, take out a tube of chapstick and bite half of it off and chew it. And then you are transported to an alternate reality where you come back with kung fu skills. Well, that happens in the first scene of the movie, so I'm not... Well, the first scene where this happened, so I'm not giving too much away there because, believe me, there's a lot more weirder stuff than that. <laughs> Can I tell you, and maybe, have you seen Jackie or Jet Li, the one from like I've not. Say 2003 or 2004? Yeah, I've uh, not it's seen too that. bad because I'm curious because this is immediately when I when I saw the trailer for this, this is immediately what, what makes me think of. And in that movie, basically, there's like not let's say nine parallel universes mm -hmm. and if you if like you there's there's a finite amount of energy in your person across the nine universes and when uh one of your the nine of you dies like that that energy gets shared over eight instead and so there's Jet Li versus Jet Li, and one of the Jet Lees from one of the universes is trying to kill all the other ones so that he can get this massive amount of energy and power and he can be the one. It just, there's vibes. There's vibes of that for me. So there is some, in my opinion, incredible use of light mm. in this movie and effect and the cinematography, I think, and editing are superb. Um, I think this will be highly considered for awards around the time that it happens for this year. Uh, I think a lot of people will like it and I think a lot of people will detest it. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't really tell you how you're going to feel because it is, uh, it is without doubt a polarizing movie. Mm. So I would recommend going to see it, but I don't know how you're going to feel about it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm trying to say I basically get like uh, like one movie a week at this point. Like that's mm -hmm. what works out for my schedule. So trying to decide between everything everywhere all at once and the unbearable weight of massive talent is like it's yeah. really not me trying to decide. And I was <laughs> I was happy that it was released this last week into Regal again. Yes. So I was able to go see it mm -hmm. at Regal. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it is at the Regal where I'm at too. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that I will get to see. I'm leaning towards going that direction. Uh, all right. Uh, for me, uh, one movie that I saw that wasn't in theaters, I actually just watched it last night, was Man on Wire, uh, the documentary from 2008. Uh, now, a week or two weeks ago, I 
I talked about uh, the film The Walk, uh, which was basically the story of the man, Philippe Petit, who put a high wire between the Twin Towers and walked across it. Uh, so that was the movie. Uh, what I watched last night was the documentary that was put out in 2008. Uh, the strengths of the documentary is you get to actually meet the characters. Uh, you get to meet Philippe Petit. Uh, you get to meet his accomplices. They even brought in like the like the stoned American dudes who like fled out the moment anything went wrong. Like they even interviewed those guys. Um, so that was really, really the strength of it. And you got to see some of the actual photographs. Uh, you got to see uh, actual old footage of him walking on wires um, and, and doing some other different walks. I, I hadn't realized that he uh, broke into uh, basically a bridge in Sydney, Australia, near where the, the theater is, the, the opera house is, and strung his wire up across uh, two towers next to the bridge and was walking across that one. I didn't realize he did that. Mm. Uh, they showed footage from that. Uh, so you, you got actual footage of him uh, casing the joint, as it were, uh, the photos he took. Um, they In the movie, they actually show him interviewing uh, the, the head of the World Trade Center Commission. Uh, but he was doing it in and a bunch of jump in and amongst a bunch of other journals. He just kind of shouts out some questions and gets some answers. Uh, the reality was much cooler in that he actually faked being a member of the French press and brought his buddies along as cameramen and an entourage and then granted him an interview. They took him up to the roof. They let him interview the workers who were working on the towers. And it was funny, like he'd go, he'd have the cameramen pretend to be like taking pictures of the workers and they're actually taking pictures of the beams and how everything's arranged up there. Uh, so that part was really fascinating. The downside is you don't get a, you don't really get a good feel of what it was like, uh, which is what the walk, the movie, the walk really, really highlights of what it actually, you, you get a feel for the scope of it. You don't get anywhere close to the level of that type of feel. Uh, with the documentary, but it's still it's still a good documentary. Uh, and the one I saw in theaters was The Northman. Uh, I was very excited to go see this movie, and it delivered big time. It is <laughs> it is an epic journey. Um, Robert Eggers uh, delivers on this one. Uh, it is a is a brutal movie not in not in the sense of like it is always extremely graphic and it's just non-stop violence or anything there's a lot of violence in it but you get a sense of the brutality of the time frame and the brutality of the region and the mindset um there is it's it's a classic revenge story as it were but with a twist it's a classic revenge story with a twist and um the the settings and the sceneries and uh just the feel of it the intense feel of it really delivers it is a kick butt movie it is absolutely worth seeing uh if you're if you're into if you're into period action pieces this one this one's up there um 
it's probably the best movie I've seen uh, representing this particular era and time frame uh, with the Vikings. Um, I'm not super familiar with the TV series, The Vikings, so I don't have a lot of comparison there. But in terms of movies, this is this was quite good. Sounds great. I'm excited to hopefully see it this week. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely worth seeing if you're into it. Okay, uh, so we thought we'd close out this uh, close out this one by recommending a documentary. Rob, recommend to us a documentary. So I have what I want, but I want to see if it is streaming anywhere. Okay, so I don't know if it is. So apparently this is streaming on Crackle, which is a free app. So if you want to download that, you should be able to watch it. Um, it's from 2011. It's called Euro Dreams of Sushi. Mm. Um, it is a documentary in Japanese and English. Um, it follows the career of Euro Ono, who's uh, an older sushi chef. and it follows his successful business there and the interactions he has with his family about trying to continue it and his legacy. And um, he's a renowned uh, chef in this field. And it just kind of shows you the intensity and work he has to put in in order to succeed in this. And I found it very um, fascinating. And when they say dreams of sushi, it's because like this is a whole life is revolving around putting out the best possible products he can. Um, and you actually get to see him working in the restaurant and doing it himself. And it's a fascinating movie. So Euro dreams of sushi. I recommend. Uh, the one I'm going to recommend is streaming on HBO max and it is, won't you be my neighbor? Uh, the documentary, uh, about Mr. Rogers. Uh, now, shortly thereafter, the movie with Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers came out. This is not the movie with Tom Hanks. This is the actual documentary. And it really covers the broad scope of his Fred Rogers life. And, and having watched this, I was just fascinating by it. Cause I mean, I grew up on Mr. Rogers. Many of us grew up on Mr. Rogers and, and there's so much, there's so much about him as a person that just resonates. And um, I think the most powerful scene for me is when he's actually speaking in front of Congress and he's just attacking Congress for what they're allowing to happen to children and to see his just fierce intensity in his defense of children uh, was so, so good. And, and how he didn't run away from issues and how he tackled issues head on with children um, there's one where he talks about him, him dealing with death around the time of the Kennedy assassination, uh, was, was quite interesting. And his, his take on his take on how to handle serious things with children. Uh, it's just a really, really good look at, at him, at his life and about, and what he was all about. And, um, a lot more than what you, what you remember about Mr. Rogers. All right. Well, that is the show. 
Thank you for checking out Film for Fans. Uh, make sure you visit filmforfans.com where we have our recommendations from uh, Prime and Netflix up there, as well as our top movies from 2021. Um, and go ahead and check that out and make sure you share the podcast with your friends. All right. Until next time, enjoy the movies. <laughs>